today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, it's uh, not yet been a week since uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated as the uh, 46th president of the United States, and already uh, some concern on this side of the border, political concern, of course. Uh, first of all, about the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, which the government is still dealing with. Uh, the other one, of course, is the Buy America policy. Now, I know that the uh, prime minister and the president had a uh, long conversation, phone conversation on Friday where they touched on a couple of these things. I want to get some perspective on that. But uh, overshadowing a lot of that south of the border right now is the historic second impeachment trial uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, it's soon going to be getting underway. Jackie Quinn has some details. As more time ticks away since the terrifying Capitol incursion on January 6th, House Democrats have ceremoniously delivered the article of impeachment against Donald Trump to the Senate. Article 1, incitement of insurrection. House lead prosecutor Congressman Jamie Raskin, who alleges Donald Trump whipped up the crowd that breached the Capitol, leaving five dead. But some of the Republican senators who'd been sounding like they were willing to convict Trump are backing away. Texas Senator John Cornyn questioned an impeachment trial against a former office holder. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer would amount to a constitutional get-out-of-jail-free card for any president who commits an impeachable offense. Opening arguments are scheduled to start February 8th. Jackie Quinn, Washington. And on and on it goes. So many other things to talk about, too. That's why we're so pleased to have uh, Elliot Tepper back with us. Elliot, of course, is Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University, specializing in American politics. Uh, Elliot, thanks so much for the time. Great to have you with us again oh, today. Good morning, Bill. Let's, let's talk about the impeachment thing, first of all. We'll get into some of these other political things, I guess, in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm getting the sense, I mean, if they had held this this trial on January 7th, uh, there was a, probably a 50-50 chance that 17 Republicans may have said, yeah, it's time to get this guy out of here. Uh, now here we are, uh, a couple of weeks after the fact, and, and an awful lot of these guys are later saying, an insurrection, what insurrection? I don't recall anything. Yes, the, uh, the trial is underway. Uh, it's going to be really a twofold trial. First of all, there will be a challenge on process. Oh, you can't impeach a guy who's already out of office. Uh, that's uh, going to be debated, I think. The, uh, there is a historical precedent of <laughs> a wartime uh, congressman, uh, a cabinet member was uh, charged with corruption well after he was out of office, and the opposition, that is Nancy Pelosi, leading this, saying you, you can't have a get out of jail free card if you say you cannot prosecute a guy who commit a president who commits a crime in his last uh, few days in office of his last part of his term that means that you can have a lawless president in the future you have to set that precedent now that nobody's above the law you can't say okay be a criminal and nothing will happen to you besides which uh, the second part of that is what if there is a conviction then there's a that takes two thirds, and we can come to that. Then there's also simply following after that a a, a motion that uh, only a majority is needed to pass. That once convicted, you no longer are eligible ever to hold public office again. So there's there's real um, concern here in America that will process get in the way, and then there's the substance of it. And you know, will these people now uh, now say never mind? <laughs> we were under attack, but it doesn't matter. I've got some, uh, Washington Post has some some positions of senators on conviction. I thought it might be fun to read it out. Yeah. Right, they're reckoning today 40 would support. Remember, it takes 67. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, senators would support 
They've got 23, however, are open to conviction. So that's if, if all of them said, oh, yes, then there are only a few votes short. There's eight who are unknown. So potentially that's still there. There's only 29 who are firmly uh, right now saying that they oppose conviction. There is going to be one main difference, of course, between this and the first impeachment. Uh, it sounds like this is actually going to be a trial with witnesses and testimony and everything else. Mitch McConnell wouldn't allow that the last time. Yes, we're in an odd situation where, uh, to stand back a quarter of a step, what's happening now is that the, the Trump shadow is, in a sense, blighting the opening of the Biden era. The old era is not gone, and the new era can't get really launched as long as this is hanging over everybody's head. There's a definite possibility the Democrats this time will say, let's make it a very quick trial because <laughs> we need to get it out of the way. The, the uh, evidence keeps coming in of additional um, efforts by the U.S. president to overturn the results of the, of the election where Joe Biden clearly won. We've just heard all this from the New York Times and now elsewhere that he also has uh, tried to get the Justice Department to fire all the top people, bring in somebody from lower ranks who would become the acting attorney general, and then move against Georgia to overturn those results. So there's accumulating evidence, uh, but it's, it's now a question really of politics. On the Republican side, Bill, we're having a real fight right now for who's going to succeed in being the leader after Trump, assuming Trump doesn't come back himself. Uh, sooner or later, there's going to have to be a leader of the Trump party. Uh, so we have Josh Hawley in particular, a very bright guy who's, who's laying claim Tom Cotton, who was on the other side of the vote, whether or, whether or not to um, overturn the election. But nevertheless, those two are really slugging it out. Tom, we also Senator Cruz uh, there. So right now there's a big struggle inside the Republican Party. Keep an eye on what happens to Liz Cheney if you want to see where this is going. Yeah. Uh, she's, uh, as you know, from she's, she's third in line in the House. She came out early on saying, never mind, you cannot have this, this, this lawless president. I want to have him stop trying to overturn the, pre the presidency, the election. And, that's, you know, the Romney-Cheney, maybe Mitch McConnell wing of the traditionalist party versus the, uh, the Trump party. I'm sure you heard the rumors over the weekend. I don't know how much it was bluster or what, uh, that because of this huge split in the Republican Party right now, uh, there was talk of actually forming a third party, the extreme. They were, I think they were using the name Patriot Party uh, for the, the, the Hollies and the Cruises and, and Kevin McCarthy's and, and, and of that ilk. Uh, how likely is that to happen? Or is it really just going to be like a splitter group, like some years ago where the Tea Party uh, still existed within the Republican Party? Mind you, those. Tea Party guys are the moderates now, I guess, in the Republican Party. Uh, but you know, a third party here would really throw a, a monkey wrench into any Republican idea of, of, of regaining power anytime soon. There are two sources for that rumor. One is in Arizona, where the party, in fact, is splitting. There's now a vote by the Republican Party to censor uh, the Republicans in the state who oppose Trump. So that party is, is splintering almost into officially two parties right there. But the Patriot Party is being floated by Donald Trump, saying, if you don't go along with me, I will form a third party, and all you Republicans who are now, for, among other things, are about to vote on impeachment, uh, uh, you'd better, you better not uh, go against me. I still command the party. I can prove it by saying, 
I will split the party, and you guys will be a small, small rump of the party, and I will be the dominant party under the Patriot Party. I don't know if this is a real, uh, a real threat, but you know, if this split in the Republican Party continues, and and certainly the the battle for leadership of the Republicans is going to continue no matter what, then it will affect what happens in twenty twenty two. That is the upcoming congressional elections, uh, where and and uh, a third of the Senate where uh, the future of the party in power is at stake. Uh, Donald Trump hasn't won too many court cases lately, Elliot, as you and I have discussed, but uh, he did get, I guess, a victory of sorts uh, the other day, or the U.S. Supreme Court has uh, now basically tossed out the emoluments uh, lawsuits against Trump. These are the uh, charges against him that he used his his office as president uh, for financial gain by making sure that everybody used Trump hotels and Trump this and Trump that. Uh, I, I don't know just how... You know how big a, a deal this is, really. I probably would have been mad to a financial fine or something like that, but uh, it's 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 not really. Uh, I, I, c- considering the number of other cases, I think if you're scoring at home right now, I think he's what will lost fifty five and lot and won one. That that's about it now. It's potentially much bigger than it looks on the face of it, uh, for one reason. Well, for two reasons. One is that. Uh, I always thought that was a weak case on the emolument side because he's clearly profited by being president in yeah. a variety of ways, not just you know people checking into the Trump Hotel in downtown Washington. But the main thing here is, it, it's, it, <laughs> get ready for this, Bill. There's a chance that the uh, Trump forces, Trump himself, will try to derail the impeachment trial by getting into the courts. It can't go straight to the Supreme Court. They have to get in and do a lower court. But if they do, it can go very quickly to the Supreme Court, which just said, just said that that, that charge about emoluments and all that, it's moot because he's no longer president. Well, that means that the process charge, why impeach this guy when he's already out of office? You can't do it. It's unconstitutional. It sounds like the Supreme Court is ready to entertain the notion that once out of office, you can't deal with uh, an impeached president because it's moot. Uh, which is not totally surprising, as I know that uh, Justice Kavanaugh was talking along those lines uh, uh, you know, long before the election, as a matter of fact, about any of these potential charges and things like this nature. And it, it, it may well be, you're, you're, I think you're, you're spot on there, Elliot, that, that you know, Trump's assertion that you know, all my appointees on the Supreme Court are going to come and rescue me, uh, that may yet happen. I mean, it's a little too late now vis-a-vis uh, you know, the election and overturning the election, but uh, he might get himself a break on some of these other charges that are pending, with the possible exception of the state charges. I mean, these are federal charges that they're talking about right now. Uh, the, the, the tax situations that are going on in New York State and other places like that uh, are, are free and clear and separate from those, are they not? Yes, the Manhattan District uh, Court, uh, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Donald Trump, since he uh, has left Washington, has gone into court to still try to block release of his tax returns. And you'd say, well, what difference does it make now? He's out of office. And the reason is, is that it's tied into uh, the below federal level. The, the, the federal level perhaps uh, could all be tossed out by some kind of a pardon or blanket issue that, you know, he's a president, you can, can't do it. But the state uh, level, those grind on. And the Manhattan District Court has, a, I think, a multiple uh, charges going forward relating in this case to fraud which relates to his tra- his taxes. So uh, the state level in New York is still trying to get a hold of those taxes to strengthen its its uh, fraud case against the now ex-president, 
would not be covered by any uh, reprieve at the federal level. It's an important case. And, and those charges, some of them anyway, predate his presidency. This is back when he was Donald Trump, the businessman. Yes, but it continues into his uh, into his presidency. So the the whole question of his taxes, which has bedeviled all of us, we and I've been talking about this for four years. It still goes on. Uh, very quickly, I want to get into some cross-border stuff, if I could, because it's it's been in the news lately, obviously, the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline, which, uh, as, as I think most people are aware, uh, was inevitable. I mean, you know, just everybody who was running for president for the Democrats said they were going to cancel this, uh, and, and it, in fact, has happened. So it's not really a surprise. Uh, then, of course, the Buy America program that uh, that uh, uh, President Biden has been talking about. And there are some people that are saying, oh, whoa, it's us on this side of the border. That means we're going to get shut out. But was there not a very similar policy enacted by the Obama administration in 2009 uh, that was kind of negotiated down into a kind of a much more watered-down Buy North America policy? Yes, and we are much better prepared now to deal with that issue because uh, since then, Donald Trump came to power, and we went through that agonizing, you know, NAFTA 2.0 negotiation, so that basically the Canadian machinery for dealing with these issues is much, much uh, uh, stronger now than before. Uh, the possibility of pointing out the inter, the, the cross-border interdependence is much uh, greater right now. So Canada is in position to go into the states and show that it's going to cost America to do this. Whether it all will work remains to be seen. But there was a very cordial conversation. I'll back up a little bit. Unions are involved in all this. Sure. Unions are very strong in the Democratic Party. That's why they've typically been more protectionist than the Republicans up until Donald Trump when he reversed that Republican position. But unions on both sides of the border are involved, even in the Keystone issue. There, there were unions in the U.S. who were saying, don't do this. Uh, it happened anyway because of the strong commitment on the environment. All of this, I think, uh, suggests that there's normal bilateral relations are going to be <laughs> dealt with in the, in the usual way, but we are very well equipped for dealing with them much better than before. Well, and especially, like you say, with the uh, the irascible tenure of, of the Trump administration uh, and the free trade agreements that had to be renegotiated and the uh, and the tariffs that were imposed, uh, it was problematic. But there was a discussion that was going on, and and you know we were able to to uh, I, I think blunt some of those uh, attempts to try, to try to you know screw us around on this side of the border. Uh, and as you mentioned, there's a much more cordial I think relationship between uh, President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau. And, for that matter, we just talked about how they, they seem to soften that approach of the Buy America policy in 2009-2010. Uh, Joe Biden was the vice president then. I mean, yeah. so he's well aware of what's going on, and he's yeah. well aware of what those negotiations and discussions were like. Well, a couple other things. I think, you know, the, the, the capacity for conversation is greater now, which we've been talking about. But uh, another matter that they talked about in that conversation, that 30 minutes, that was the first call to a foreign power was by Washington to Canada. So that, you know, that all goes well. But one thing they also talked about was the two Michaels. Now in their, mm -hmm. you know, they've been in Chinese jails for 780 days almost. So that was raised, and I'm pleased that that was raised right at the, at the very top. And another aspect is it isn't only the uh, leaders of the two countries that talk. Uh, we do have uh, the deputy prime minister, who also happens to be the finance minister of America, was just on air saying, you know, I haven't yet had a chance to talk to my counterpart, who's, who's 
been confirmed. And I'd like to just step sideways a bit because we're talking about whether the Republicans will work with the Democrats or not. The whole future of the Biden program really depends on some cooperation by the Republicans. And they have been cooperating by overwhelmingly confirming the few that they've confirmed of the cabinet appointments, including Janet Yellen, who's now going to be uh, Christia Freeland's counterpart. And Christia Freeland was saying, boy, am I looking forward to dealing with her. Well, and as you've mentioned to us, I mean, Christia Freeland also uh, has some credibility south of the border anyway because of her background in the financial world. And not only that, she she has long credibility just in her own own reputation, but she has great credibility because she dealt with the Trump administration. She was the point person on renegotiation of the new NAFTA. She's the one who knows how to make the lovers uh, work to Canada's favor, favor to the degree we can in this new era. Elliot, so much more I want to get into here, including the uh, perception that Mitch McConnell seems to have that he still controls the Senate, but we'll have to do that for another time. We're just about out of time right now. Uh, thanks, as always, for your perspective on this. Great talking with you again. Oh, you're very welcome, Bill, and be glad to talk to you about that and all the other things. I can hardly wait. Thanks again. Elliot Tepper, of course, Emeritus Professor at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.